Um, can we say like who you are and who you work for? We won't curse. Brian Kissinger. I work for Franciscan University's study abroad program in the foothills of the Alps in Gaming, Austria. Uh, you're where we wish we were once again. I'd give Luke's right nut to be there. <laughs> <laughs> we won't curse. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to have you on the show. Like, we are very um, good friends, and we've been friends for uh, quite a long time. And I want, I've wanted to have you on for... Um, for a while but like all things we just it was very well intended but i didn't ever really act on it and then um we were talking i can't remember what prompted what prompted me to like really try to make it happen was uh i think i just said like do you want to because like i mean i i tried to get you on when we had uh, shane claiborne and i couldn't have gomer on the interview so and, and oh yeah you were the guy who first told me about him but it was like three in the morning your time or something like that i don't i don't remember I, so it's it's funny. It's four in the morning here now, and I had this great prudent plan to prove how much I'd matured since college that I was going to go to bed early. So I went to bed at eight thirty, and then woke up two hours later, and the Steelers were on. So it's uh, <laughs> so yeah. So you're not the only one who who makes sometimes silly decisions or doesn't follow through. <laughs> Fair enough. It is the AMDG way. Um. So yeah, so I thought it would be kind of fun. Like I mean, like we there are a ton of things that we could talk about. We could just like you know be idiots for uh, for about an hour, and I think it would be fun. Um, but I thought it'd be kind of cool if um, we I it's just, for some reason okay, Brian, don't be mad at me, but I was at work, and let's just be happy that I actually had a had a job, and uh, you that was a joke. People were supposed to laugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> In Austria, they laugh differently, so that's <laughs> yeah. They just quietly, quietly judge you and take over the neighboring country. Yeah, I wasn't going to say <laughs> the it. The Occupy um, movement started here, so <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, because they were invaded when they just opened it up and said, "No, please, we want to be a part of this too." Annexation. Um, Who needs representation? Yeah. Uh, so I was, I, I saw like the gomming, uh, okay. So you ever go on the Facebook and see like, you know, perhaps an ex-girlfriend or a girl that you went to high school with that you always thought was kind of cute or like a, or some person that you kind of know. And it's like, oh man, they look really old. Have you guys had that happen? Yes, absolutely. Yes, of no. course. Confirmation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember I was like watching your fa- and it's like you don't look old or bad Brian at all. But like <laughs> I was watching the um Austria uh, live thing that you were doing and I was like Brian just looks older now. Like this is weird. Like he just looks like like we've all just kind of aged. I feel like I kind of have a youthful glow, but that all being said, um like we're kind of getting old and I thought it would be I thought it might be kind of fun to take some time and just talk about, okay, so, like, we're about to, you know, we're, like, a year or two away from being into our 40s. We're about to really hit middle age. And um, I thought it would be kind of fun to take some time and really, like, talk a bit about, like, what does that mean for us? When I mean, we don't have to spend too much time, on the, like, um, reflecting on the past, but I think it would be kind of good. And also really kind of talk about, like, how do we embrace this next part of our future? And you know, because I'm in a place right now where you know I'm going, I'm going to grad school um, over the summer, and it's not for um, like to like start a career. It's for like the back half of my of 
of my career. And that's just kind of a weird thing. So I, I'm just kind of like just to kind of start when like you guys don't think about when you guys don't think about the fact that we're approaching middle age. Like what do you think when like what do you think when you stop to think about that? Yeah, I, I think it's it's crazy. I mean, yeah, I, I think of uh, the movie Napoleon Dynamite and realizing that I'm now at the point in my in my life when I'm I'm getting pretty close to Uncle Rico status. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I have been thinking about that movie so often lately because they just put in Tetherball at my park oh, in nice. my neighborhood, and I played my kids. Side note, I sent a Tetherball into my own face and broke my glasses. But I've been thinking of Uncle Rico, and I was like, was it? Yeah, Rico, right? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I said to my kids the other day, my son's learned how to throw a football, and I said, hey, do you think I can throw this football over those mountains over there? <laughs> I mean, it, it is just, just like... stop and stare at you. Yeah, crazy. I, I remember I had this, like sad moment of of truth when our first kid was born our daughter ellie and uh, i was in a like a church softball league and at first i was really excited i'm like oh courtney you can bring the baby to the games and then i realized like oh man at this point if i keep dragging family members to my events it becomes really pathetic right away (laughs) so that was like i mean not that i was ever a good athlete but i've you know you kind of feel younger than you realize like gosh i'm not so whether it's that realization or just how bad everything hurts after every physical activity. Yeah. I think I, it really, this sounds so dumb, but it first hit me when, uh, we went out to, you know how they have those like, uh, beer fest things now that are real big where you go and you have a bunch of, uh, craft beer and whatnot. And so we went and did that. And the next day I, we didn't really drink that much or anything, but the next day I was just so unbelievably tired and I remember being like, what is happening? Like, like, why am I so – this shouldn't take a whole day. This should take like a couple hours. Then I go and have some brunch, and we're ready to go. Yeah. Um, and it just uh, – it's weird. Yeah, it is. It, it, ha- it has been wild. I mean, I think – I will say this, that like physically it's been like disappointing to just see like, man, I, I even, even things that I eat. Like I used to be able to eat whatever I wanted and feel great the next day. And now like my body just has a low tolerance for stupidity. Um, but with that said, I feel like life has become so much more full and rich kind of in this phase Mm -hmm. of having kids and now other people being the focus of my life is certainly more, more enjoyable, more fulfilling. Do you feel like you're in middle age yet? Or are you kind of at the point in time where you're kind of on the back end of your young adult years and you're staring down what's going to be like middle age? Are you, or are you kind of there? Uh, I don't, yeah, I mean, I feel like when, when you had said, like, let's talk about the fact that we're in middle age, and, and I was like, why did they bring me on? And I realized it's because I look old. Um, I think it's <laughs> not why. Yep, yep. I look, oh, I look so older, old. closer to glory. That's not what I, I was just shocked. I was like, man, Brian, like, sorry. That Go is on. so funny, Luke, the way you intro this. You ever see people <laughs> and you just think they look old? Anywho, here's Brian. <laughs> Brian <Kinsinger. yeah. laughs> <laughs> you know, no, it's, just, <laughs> you know, it's going to a good place when it starts with. Now, don't take this the wrong way. This may say bad, sound bad, but here's why we wanted to talk to you. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. No, I just, I and I just knew that I could have a conversation about this um with you, and we could get pretty deep and pretty interesting, pretty, pretty, pretty uh, like relatively quick. Yeah, I realize now that like when I was first a youth minister, I like helped out at a couple young adult events and being so annoyed that people in their late thirties would show up at these events. I'm like, Oh, absolutely. In common. Absolutely. You know, I, like remember living in the dorms when there would be like a 23 year old student and you're like, why is he even here? He could be our dad. 
this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> and now, and now there are like college students coming to Austria who were born when we were in college. Like, Just shut your mouth. Insane. You shut your whore it's mouth. Insane. Yeah. That is horrific. Insane. That is horrific. Yeah. Oh my it's, goodness. Yeah. Well, I mean, like we've now known each other for more than half of our lives just about. Yeah. It is crazy. You know, and so and I like I really there's a there's a part of me right now that is like as much as I like joke about wanting to hold on to my youth and be like, oh, because it is weird because we, you know, we exist in a um, culture where like that's what matters is youth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, would you want to go back to being 25? I'm living in D.C. Being like being like, like being single, going to do like whatever you want. And you have brought this really great point. How 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 like. Um, you said there are real, there are real like moments that I miss, like real genuine, um, real genuine, like you know there was there's uh, stuff that we did that we just can't do anymore. But you and and it's and like you do miss that, but not that time of life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, like so many great moments are like crazy ideas that you know I'd never stay up that late now, uh, stuff like that. But. Yeah, I feel you like you are right now. Back. You are now. You're <laughs> welcome, Ketchup Boxes. I would never stay up till four a.m. Forever for you young. I want to be. That was actually <laughs> in the Napoleon Dynamite soundtrack. I think, right? <laughs> I think so. I think he and Deb right. danced to it. The fact that I'm referencing <laughs> I'm that gonna, movie means that I'm mm-hmm. very old. So I'm going to be honest. I haven't watched that since. That was a film that I when that that came out. What like 2004 ish, 2005 ish? Yep. I remember watching it and being like, okay, I get why people think this is funny, but I don't um, get it, and I'm just not th- that into it. And it took me probably five or six times of actually watching it before it really, really clicked. <laughs> and I don't know if it was worth if it was worth um, if it was like worth the effort, but I finally felt culturally relevant, so I guess it was fine. You know you're still young when you can watch a movie five or six times, one that you don't really even get. <laughs> this movie yeah, doesn't make yeah, any yeah. sense. I'm going to keep watching it until I understand why the young people love it. I have nothing but time. That's right. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think, like, that's when I realize I'm getting old. You know that scene in old school when they, you know, Will Ferrell's still pretty buttoned up and they, like, give him one drink. And yeah. he says he has a fun weekend plan. He and his wife might go to Ikea. Or something like that. And yeah, then and then maybe afterwards, friend. if we have enough time, we'll go to Home Depot. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have enough time. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't but know. But just like, I mean, it's, it's sad. Like now, so they have a pretty uh, intense recycling system here. And so you have a different trash can for everything. And I get excited when it's plastic day because finally I'll have an <laughs> empty trash can to refill. Like, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> Ooh, is this the wrist mule? <laughs> oh, oh good memory. that's awesome i know man i was the trash man i was in charge of all trash when i was in <laughs> austria i know i wish i had done that I no wish I had no you don't thought. no you don't here's the deal no but you made you money. made money which is true this is true there. you do make money but every time they were like dave younger and his lies he was like people love doing it they would come up with like little songs and dances and they made it fun and i was like i'm handling garbage Put your shit in the barrel so I can go back to drinking. 
Lucas, Mother <laughs> Teresa once said, like, <laughs> you don't have to go to Gomming to be the trash man. You can be the trash man of your own home. <laughs> Just go home and pick up your family's trash. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I don't do any work around here. It's Mumbai for um, me or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> So okay, so we have a couple people over on our on Patreon page. I just asked them for a. Um, I asked just. I asked anyone to say, "Hey, you're all kind of young and or old. Tell us what questions you have for a bunch of dudes who are about to approach forty. And um, we got some interesting questions. So I thought we just kind of like dive into that and just like and really um see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's that sound? Great. Cool. All right. Um, here's one. I think this is good. As as a I'm a college as a college kid, how does one balance taking one's parents' advice while also making one's own decisions in life? This is from Anne or Annie. Is it, if it's A N N E, is that Anne or Annie? I always go with Anne. Anne. All right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's probably Anne. Yeah. I I mean I think that like some of it is. Yeah. I mean, just uh, as we were laughing about things that we did when we were 25, I think that like whatever age you're at, your problems, your issues, your perspective seems like it's, it's serious. And then you look back a couple of years later and think, man, I was crazy or man, I was immature or man, I didn't know what I was talking about. So I think that's like always hard to keep in mind. And for sure, like, you know, we grow in independence and all that stuff. But I think for the most part, parents still do have a good, a good sense of the bigger picture and, and what's going to be something you'll want to be uh, doing, you know, and, and, and I feel like the older you get kind of the, the more you're able to have that, that hindsight and perspective. So, so yeah, I mean, I think there's still value in looking to your parents for advice, for insight. I mean, I think it's also tough because as parents, I feel like the things that I wish my parents had done differently or done better, I don't know what standards my kids will hold me to in 20 years. So the, the dad, role that I'm going for now is probably going to be different from what my kids in 20 years will say they wish their dad had been. So I feel like it's such a moving target. No kidding, man. What that is. Yeah. Agreed. It is such a moving target. And you know, what's funny though? I think the, the one thing that prevents parents wisdom from actually radiating through is their fear. Cause as much as parents want you to succeed, they don't want you to fail. And I think there's this element Mm -hmm. where there's so much fear for certain parents, especially for parents, maybe not for older people in general, but like fear of making the same mistakes I did, fear of, you know, you know, whatever it could be, um, ruining your life, blah, blah, blah. Well, and it's tough because I think like one thing thing that really scares me about um, just, you know, Everly and when she's when like she's older and all the advice that I'm going to give her on whether she asked for it or not because I must be heard uh, <laughs> is that how much I uh, I, I I like I I can remember like there were tons of great things that even while I was in uh, while I was in college a time where I had a a real decent amount of independence in hindsight you, you don't have as much as you think that you do like when we were in college. My world was college, and I never thought anything about anyone back home for the – I mean, I did, but it was like I never thought – I thought I was, for for the most part, 100% independent. And in hindsight, I'm like, oh, not really. But um, you're just so – like I was so um, self-obsessed that there was no room for any other outside advice except for after the fact. 
yeah, I would, yeah, yeah. I would, uh, I t- t- tend to solve that it was really after I, you know, did a really dumb decision, which there was a lot, that I would then compare the choice that I made to what things that my parents had, you know, had um, had told me, and that's where it was like really important. And so I've, and again, like you know, I only have like a five month old, so. Uh, you guys all have uh, way more kids than 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 I do, so it's very easy for me to um, talk about this right right now. But I think I want Everly to um, I, I want to be okay with her making her. Um, I want to be okay with her failing. Hmm. Like as much as I don't want her to date in high school at all, I do want her to get her heart broken so she can learn how to persevere. Through that, because her dad did not do a good job with that. Not even a little and, bit. Not um, even a little bit. I'd, I'd say you learned how to get your heart broken for sure. <laughs> you learned very well that your Gomer would always be there for you. Listen, I bl- I blame um Brian for at least two of the big ones. Yeah, so. that's a good point. You got to oh, own it, Brian. You wanna t- you wanna, this is the part where where you ask why, and I provide a funny story. Why, why, <laughs> why Luke? Why would you blame me? <laughs> Okay, one. Do you remember that one time when I started to date that one girl, Go on. and I almost um, kissed this other girl, and then you stopped me? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that really that really pan panned out. And then, um, do you remember when we were in uh, DC? And <laughs> if you want this cut, it's fine. Oh you, no. Me and Jimmy were Don't hanging anything. out. And we were looking at ESPN the magazine, and there was a picture of some girl that was at like a college on the Navy game, and we all thought she was really cute. And we saw her name in there, and when we looked her up on Facebook and tried to send her like a Facebook message, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that put in my head, oh yeah, it's totally fine to try to like meet date girls that and just like talk to them that you see on Facebook. That didn't end well. <laughs> I think part of the problem, at least for me, was. And, and, and I ended up – this ended up being a, a winning perspective in the end, but an unrealistic. But going to Franciscan where there's like five guys that aren't discerning the priesthood and so many girls. And so we kind of leave there with this like unrealistic sense of, man, I could really date anyone because at Franciscan yeah. girls oh, yeah. didn't have many choices. Yeah. <laughs> the odds were always in our favor. It was a yeah, beautiful seriously. thing. Yeah. Good Lord, man. <laughs> Uh, like literally two thousand gorgeous women who were two two thousands a bit okay. high fifteen hundred gorgeous, gorgeous. women uh, fives are higher and uh, I re- I remember our our uh, friend Nathaniel who who went to you know a secular university and uh, he would come to visit and he would just see the couples on campus and you know just like a drop dead gorgeous girl with some guy who had like just woken up mm-hmm. and he would just constantly be like. Really? Him? Seriously? Him? Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. And that was me. He was talking about me. Every year, I was always like, "Who? why did this woman say yes? Oh, she doesn't have options. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, here, Hi, um, Miguel. here is a good one. Hi, <laughs> Miguel. Is there something interfering with your happiness, or is it preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, I started going to therapy probably about maybe four months ago, maybe three months ago, and I just kind of realized that healing is something that the Lord wants us to receive, but healing is always an invitation from God. Quite often, he asks people to, to you know take a step out. We have to take action, and a great way to do that is through a group called BetterHelp. BetterHelp can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. 
hours. This is not a crisis line. It is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. This service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime, and I'm going to send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and I'm a thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule a weekly video or phone obsession so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. Those are weird, as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so that they make it easy and free to change counselors if you feel like you need to. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is indeed available. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, wants you to start living a happier life today. You can go to betterhelp.com slash reviews and read some of the testimonials that are posted daily. So this is what we're going to do. We have a special offer for podcast listeners. You get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash foxes. You go to slash foxes and you will get 10% off your first month. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional counselor. BetterHelp.com slash foxes. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. How did you resolve your your fears, if at all, from your 20s? How are your fears, if any, different now? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I think that, like, yeah, I don't know. I'd say some of my fears, like, didn't quite totally get resolved. Like, I think I, I for sure had a fear of commitment that, you know, I think would l- cause me to look back on past relationships when I was single and think, oh, man, maybe I missed it. Maybe the person I was supposed to marry, if I wasn't afraid, I'd still be with them. And, but then when I met my wife, it was like, God kind of used all those past issues and those fears and those roadblocks in the past to be a contrast to how confident I felt and how confident I was in our relationship. So, so for sure the fear sucked. And I think I, I I probably, you know, messed up some friendships there, but I look back and see that, that God, God used it. And then even after getting married, to the girl of my dreams still after getting married, like dealing with fear and anxiety and sense of inadequacy. And, and, uh, and I said, honey, you've got to stop calling me inadequate. No, just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, just realizing that even she's like, but I that's had, your middle name. <laughs> she's like, shut up, get the trash and sort it. Uh, <laughs> but no, just realizing that like, yeah, even though I, I had what I thought would validate me still, dealing with fears. And now, like you said before, as a parent, like I'm terrified, I'm terrified. And half the time I'm screaming at my kids, it's because I'm afraid that I've somehow let them down or I've somehow failed as a dad. I think for me, one thing that, um, has been a persistent fear that I've realized, okay, this is a thing that I really have to deal with is, um, I'm just convinced that like, like nobody really likes me. Yeah. So there's this just, which is like surprisingly common, but uh, I mean, just like I, I've seen that there are a lot of people who do who do have that fear, but it it tends to it's almost kind of like a whack a mole where I'll feel very confident about you know because I, I I would say I was probably in my let's go like twenty five twenty seven like in between there when I got for the most part uh, twenty six um, twenty six is the number you're talking about twenty six in between there. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> this is why I miss you, Brian. Um, uh, like that's when I would say I was probably the most 
like I started getting really I, I could pretty much like I thought like I could date whoever I wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I stopped kind of being the whole like oh, I have feelings. Now that never really went away, but it stopped being like the driving thing behind all you know of the dating. Your feelings. Well, in the sense of like, I feel so deeply. Oh yeah, you know, like that was kind of like my main mo. Then it was just, it was just kind of like a part of the package. <laughs> you know, you're gonna get an emotional um, roller coaster, and you're gonna freaking love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I would like tell girls that like at bars when I would like start to talk to them. Different, you know, um, things like that. Uh, and, Makes sense. But I think like it's it's funny because like I see that fear tend to you know. In terms of like people not um, not liking me, like it would always turn into like a little bit like bitterness towards like certain groups or just certain or certain people. And I've I've that, I experience that now with the podcast at, at times, and different people have said um different things or just you know uh, if we're not on some like blog post of someone's some favorite on podcast or something, it like cuts me really deeply, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just the same thing, just kind of um, manifesting itself in a like different way. And I think what in terms of like how that was resolved, Brian, I think like one of my favorite times of my like uh, times of my um, times of my times in my sexuality twenties was when we <laughs> oh sorry I, I should put words in your mouth sorry go on okay fine <laughs> was when we would go out into um, DC and just like just talk to and, and, and not just girls but like anyone really I mean it was just and girls was... for me Luke but. <laughs> I just men, I mean, women, you, dogs, whatever. <laughs> in terms of you're meeting new people, you're establishing new friend groups, like all of that stuff. See, you're Luke. This is funny about this conversation because your Washington D.C. life is a part of your life that I never even came close to sharing. So I'm really angry that you're bringing Brian into this. Uh, if I can't have you exclusively, I don't want you. Um, <laughs> No, but it is no. I'm just joking. But like, it is fascinating because I don't really know much of what was going on, what you guys were doing in DC. I didn't realize you were hooking up every night with uh, fancy ladies on the town. I don't know what he did Not at night. Not so much that. I don't know what he did at night. Huh? All all I know is when he lived with me in the morning. I know what you're gonna bring up. I know, Luke, I know where you're going with when this. When Luke had gone to work, you knew he had breakfast because there was sprinkles. All over the counter. <laughs> Why? What is he eating that has sprinkles for breakfast? I think it was. A, I think it was a liquid diet. But I mean, it wasn't like booze or anything. It was like basically. I mean, I have a four year old now, or a three and a half year old now, so I know. I know what, what his thought process was. But a lot of sprinkles. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny. I forgot about that. I don't. I don't. I don't remember what that's from at all. But it's um, it's funny too because like I wonder how much of it was. Yeah, I, I love going out and I love, you know, just kind of hang out with random people. But now I'm like, I don't want new friends. I have a couple good friends and that's enough for me. Like Courtney. Oh, that sounds exhausting. She's now. always yeah. wanting to like meet people and get together. I'm like, we finally have a lifelong excuse to not meet people. Why would we <laughs> choose this? Then why did I have kids? I have enough. <laughs> well, but I have enough. It's funny. To, and like, like, I think one thing that I really did like about that, that I think is really good to have in your 20s and like you have this gomer too i think is that um i like one of my favorite things out in um, dc was when we would uh uh just like hang out and just like talk about stuff that was going on we'd hang out like on the back steps oh yeah and um like that for me was some of my favorite and like i've seen ev- like every phase of my life even like even i'm um, now with aaron i have some version of those back steps 
where you just hang out and you talk. And I like what I really loved about us, which I think helped me um, face my fears. And this, you know, also came from college. This is just kind of part of the culture. That's why I love a school like Franciscan, because if you're really into your faith and if you're with the right people, you ha- you can have these conversations. Like we talked about like what scared us. Like like we would talk about like like it was always in relation to like the people we were trying to become and it was never shallow. Like we can make the shallow stuff like get pretty deep pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Franciscan parties was like, yeah, in- instantly going into deep, deep fears, deep hopes. What's your thought about wild at heart? All that. Yeah, and that gets pretty exhausting after a while. But there is something good. To, like there are times when you just want to put a snake. You know, just want to put a snake in Luke's bed, which is really mean on the why you would do that. <laughs> but um, for Luke, it's like the scariest moment of your life for Brian. It was a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Snakes got to eat. Oh, it's true. <laughs> What advice would you give to those approaching their 30s? I think one thing that I'm realizing more and more is that, yeah, when, especially when I was in my 20s and when I was single, I was like really focused on what's God's will, a.k.a. who am I going to marry? Like my pursuit of God's will and my wanting to know God's will was all these like abstract long-term 20-year plans, like what's the end of my life going to look like? And now with little kids, like his will is very clear and very tangible and very minute to minute. Yeah, um, no so I, I think like one thing I wish I had done better is to really focus on practical disciplines, practical virtues, getting to bed at a decent time like I didn't do tonight. Uh, <laughs> but just, yeah, just like being selfless, being generous, things that are going to be demanded of me in any vocation that I'm called to. Um, but if I can work on those now, it, it'll make it a less brutal adjustment. Man, that's awesome, man. Uh, one of the things I like, I feel like you were doing that of everyone that was in household at the time, right? Of of all the people, maybe Paul Vograntz and you, I don't know who else, but was putting in that level of effort in discipline, discipline prayer life. I always felt like as an RA, I was always watching you grab your Bible your journal and a pen and walk into the chapel. Like that was a, a pretty good and steady routine in your life. You still do stuff like that now that you're on, you still live in that college lifestyle. Yeah. Still living that college lifestyle. No, I, I think, yeah, it, I mean, it's funny to be in Goming because I, I remember, <clears throat> yeah, I just remember the thought process as a student of like this crazy idea I have and basically living for, the travel, living for the excitement. And now I feel like I live for the monotony of the day to day and I thrive in the routine. But yeah, I I think my sanity, like for my sanity, I need quiet time. If that means waking up earlier than the kids, God willing, um, just to have that space with God, with myself is, uh, I I think that's a really good story. I totally just cut, cut you off there. This is the way. I had nothing um, else. I had nothing else. <laughs> no, but like that, like trying to find that beauty in the monotony in the, in the day to day stuff. I think is a key part of your thirties because I'm experiencing this a bit as a new dad. Where in your twenties, everything feels exhausting because everything's new. Yeah, 
you know, like you're just trying to manage like, okay, so like these new relationships or, uh, you know, you're experiencing like at times like profound um, death for the first time really in your life of a like a parent or like a friend or you've got, you know, your first kind of, oh, my gosh, I thought I really thought we were going to get married and now we're not. And now you have to become you have to become like a person that I just don't um, talk to a- a- anymore. How do I handle that? Um, how do I handle like, you know, having like it, um a recession, like all that stuff. It's kind of like that you experience a lot of that in your twenties of just like, this is all so new. And I've, and that's the thing that I've, that's kind of um, hard to navigate as, as a new parent is I'm not like, everyone's a really easy baby. Like she's, it's, I feel bad how easy she is. Like she's the one kid that's just like she doesn't like she's asleep. She probably won't wake up until she gets up at like um at six thirty or so. And um but what like what makes me tired is everything with her is just so new. Is I'm going through all the scenarios in my head. I'm constantly kind of on edge and it's just, you know, kind of exhausting but the cool part about your 30s and which i think is really it's why it's kind of a fun time to try to try new to try new on the stuff when you can is when you can get into that routine of like but i have to have i have to um have the monotony because there's actually a lot more like your brain i feel like your brain and and your spirit like your whole being can just kind of relax because you know what's going on yeah and you have a you have a rhythm of life if if you will a rhythm of life. Yeah, I think uh, this this Carmelite sister that I know, she gave a talk to our youth group years ago, and she was just talking about her day-to-day routine, and the kids were like, isn't that boring? Like, it was just so regimented and so scheduled and so strict. But then when she talked about her interior life, it was clear that her interior life was wildly alive and exciting because her exterior life was predictable and disciplined. And I think of like, for me, the opposite of that was like vacation in my twenties, you know, when I was on vacation, that's when I wasn't praying. That's when I wasn't, uh, sticking to any routine when I was going haywire, but like, yeah, just realizing like that, that life is, is really fulfilling in the day to day. And, uh, but man, I think the other thing that, that I learned is like, I think I thought that, okay, well, like what the church teaches about marriage or theology, of the body and all that stuff. And love is like important for us to tell non-believers, but if you marry the right person or if you really fall in love, find someone that you're wild about, like it's going to be easy, but man, a marriage is hard. And I think even those parts of marriage that I thought would be the easiest, like intimacy or, you know, your sexual relationship with your spouse, all, you know, that, that thing that I thought, well, this is the easy part. The rest of marriage might be tough, but like, it's all difficult because it's, it's all challenging. It all involves another human and they are changing and I'm changing. And, um, turns, turns out they have needs. They have yeah. needs. They don't just <laughs> exist in a bubble to satisfy your needs. How rude. But what about mine? What about mine? Here's a funny thing. Like I, I, I tell people who are in their twenties where they look at our lives maybe, and they see, you know, married kids, minivan, and they're like, oh, my gosh, that's so boring. And it's funny. You had said it earlier, or you had hinted at this idea earlier. But the idea is, like, your priorities change. Not all of a sudden, not, you know, and maybe not a 180. There are some people who do. There are some people who are like, oh, my gosh, if I have to go out tonight, I'm going to go nuts. 
I my wife realized I'm an extrovert to an extreme. I need to be out and talking with people. And she's an introvert and a homebody for the most part. She can be very outgoing. She's like the most borderline person I've ever met. But truth be told, she's a homebody and an introvert. And so she feels comfortable being home, being alone, or you know, not having demands, being able to do whatever she wants. And I feel most comfortable, like most excited when I'm out in um, out at a bar, out at a restaurant with a bunch of friends. And this has been my whole life. I remember when I was like 18 years old and I was still living at home with my parents before I went to college. My dad, my older brother, Chris, he had moved to the area. My dad said to Chris, no matter what Mike says, don't go to a restaurant. I don't know where he's getting this money, but he's always going out to eat. And I was, I was because like I always wanted to be with people and I'm still that same way. So every time I go out to, you know, get some drinks with the fellas or get coffee in the morning with my Exodus 90 group or whatever it might be, it is like my favorite part but for my wife it's not she likes that periodically but um but it's funny how like i was thinking i was like when was the last time i went out for beers oh that was like two months ago oh i don't care (laughs) like i used to care and now you're you're as you get older your priorities shift it's not like oh i don't want fun but you find like deeper this is the positive spin of it you find deeper reservoirs mm-hmm. of what gives you joy, meaning, purpose, and even excitement or fun. Like it's deeper, it's different. It's um have you ever read did you did either of you ever read Kierkegaard? No way. Never did. No. Kierkegaard, I barely even know her. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is Luke gonna say? What is Luke gonna say? Well, okay, so there's this really famous book called Either Or where he creates these two personas and they debate each other via fake letters and one uh, letters back and forth to each other. And one of them is a young esthete who lives a life of pleasure. And the other one is, uh, I think he's a judge, but he represents the moral man. And their arguments like one is like, no, I want to feel the, like, I only want my life to consist of the peakiest peaks of pleasure and excitement and joy and thrill. And then the the judge says, no, 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 you don't understand. That thrill is that that peak for you is a plateau for me. It goes up and then the, the like the vows of marriage take that wonderful thrill and extend it throughout a lifetime. And it's always this like juxtaposition that I try to get people to understand when I'm doing young adult ministry, which is – in your 20s, you're filled with the alam vital, like this love and longing for life and excitement and new things. But I think it's for a purpose. It's to find that thing that clicks with you. And when, like, I can't think of a single woman on the face of this earth who would dare want to be married to me, let alone be happy to be married to me and 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 vice versa. But, like, with Shannon, there's no other there's no other person out there that I'm thinking about, you know, like, Oh, it, my life would be better yeah. if, and there is this, once you like make that moral connection, there's this thing that happens in the human heart. And I don't know how subtle it is. I'm sure it's different for everyone. Temperaments and personality and upbringing and sin and all that stuff. But like she clicks with who I am in a way that I don't need to go out with the guys and go drinking I love being at my house with her. You know what I mean? Like, it just yeah, shifts yeah, yeah. it in your mm-hmm. heart. And I love that about 
about marriage. Like I, that's a lesson that only a lifelong commitment and the security of a piece of paper called a marriage certificate could give you, right? Like as human and artificial or whatever those we might say, marriage, institution of marriage might be, right? Like th- just that piece of paper means like it's going to be very difficult for you to get out of this shit. So <laughs> we're invested in each other. And it's powerful. It really does shift. It doesn't just mean like I've settled. It means like the things that bring me joy are now deeply different, and that's okay. Yeah, Gomer, Gomer, you talked about this a, a couple weeks ago. I think you were talking about like your your kid's soccer game, and it was just mm-hmm. like such a you know how like you were kind of going crazy about sports for the first time. And yeah, there is something cool about. And obviously, parents can take it to an extreme when they're like you know trying to live vicariously through their kids. Yeah, but there is something like yeah, I've never been more excited than when I'm rooting for my kids. And it could be in the stupidest thing, like they're putting together some Lego thing they've never done. Things that I would have said before, this is lame, this is weird, why do I care? But all of a sudden, now I'm like more invested in this and excited by this and and find joy in this than I would have imagined. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's totally true. Like when I was on the sidelines of my son's soccer team, so both my boys played. Thomas tried to play last year. And he was too young. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't participate. And he kept trying, and then he would just give up after, like, five seconds. But the fact that he tried, like, you see that, like, it brought me joy. Not that he scored a goal, which he did score a goal, and it was the funniest goal. He kind of accidentally kicked it with the bottom of his foot, and it (laughs) rolled more than halfway down the field and went in the goal. Hilarious. But my son Noah, like, to see Thomas engaged brought, like, such – I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. These these depths in my heart that I didn't know were there. And then to see my son yeah, Noah yeah. destroy the other team, like, he outran everyone. He outpassed everyone. He out He outscored everyone. It was so fascinating to see that dynamic because I didn't even know that was there with him until that until these last six games. Like I didn't know how strong and fast and um, competitive he was, but still kind, which was awesome. And, and there was this one girl, um, the only girl on our team, sweet little girl. She could, she did not want to play. She was painfully shy. My son Noah passed it to her at least you know, once every game, they never pass, but his little kids, you know, he's seven years old, just turned, but he would pass to her every game and he would encourage her. That was amazing. But then to see my Cecilia, like stop goals and do all this stuff that I thought like her anxiety, oh my God, like blah, blah, blah. Like your life gets so invested and not in, like you said, I'm trying to live through them. I mean, I don't care if my kids win or lose. Oh my god! I almost said it's how they play the game. I almost went full cliche. <laughs> I almost went full cliche. But it was so cool oh to see them. Oh my gosh! Just sign your book deal with Ascension Press all, already. <laughs> Ascension. Just get bumper stickers on your minivan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I my think that, I think my minivan. Let so- me just say something about my minivan. My minivan is freaking clean because I watch the Detail Geek and he teaches me how to detail. And I pretend like that's my new hobby. Go on. So. Yeah, Gomer, with what with what you were saying, it's like it's fun to be here because I think, you know, students come for a semester here to live their best life ever and have their wildest experiences and travel wherever, eat whatever, drink whatever, do whatever. 
And, and to, how to see, like, I, th- I think that they kind of see it as this, like, it's going to be the high point of their life. And, and a lot of them have a great semester, but it's, it's cool to know that for us, like greater joys and, and greater happiness is found in the day to day in a kid's soccer game. And so when people yeah. are asking like, Oh my gosh, how's life in Europe? It's great. But mostly because I have a great family and mostly because of the lame, boring stuff we do on weekends and our early nights and, Finally, getting a kid to agree to say a hail mary before he goes to bed. Stuff oh, like that. so exhausting! <laughs> so exhausting! I know. Oh, I always well, say like I, th- I begin nighttime prayers like full of consolation and end them wondering if God really exists and <laughs> when I can get to confession next. I mean, I I think that um, one thing that's really important to keep in mind as you're you know entering your thirties is that um, this is really true for for any um, phase in life. I'm amazed at how much I have changed just from, and I don't really even, I'm a, I mean, I, I, I think that everything that you guys have talked about, I would agree with you, but um, I mean, just in, like just certain things that I like or that I don't like, like um, I really like scotch right now and I really like bourbon and I would have never had it. I never drank that when I was in college cause I hated it. And that sounds like a really dumb example. It, it truly is. 20s i mean throughout 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 the book in my 20s but like they're like it's just like you change like you start to like um, different things you you'll like them different movies like you become a different person and that's um like i never thought i'd be real into architecture i always thought it was i always i thought it was cool but i never thought i would own um, books about it and really want to understand all the all of the of the history behind it and uh, like some of the styles and what like and it's um it's really kind of cool to see. I, like I heard this one great quote where, uh, where this guy said, "I don't know how many um, women I have been." I got. How did he put it? He's he, he, he said, "I can't tell you about what my wife Emma thinks about this, but I know that she's been married to at least eight different men." And this idea that like he's changed, like we like we just like if you're doing stuff, you're going to change, and that's a then like that's a good thing. Yeah, and that's a part of my thirties that I have really enjoyed. Is just that kind of being open to new things and kind of you know having to shed some of the anxiety of life, where like you're the center of your world, and then all of a sudden, when it becomes other people or other things, other you know other experiences, that's that's kind of life changing. Yeah, Courtney was talking to some uh, friends that are getting married soon, and they were asking for advice on marriage and. And she was saying, like, it's marriage is really like a roller coaster, and all you know is is that this is the person you're choosing to be buckled in with. You have no idea what is coming next. No matter what you have planned, no matter how well prepared you are, you have no idea what hills and valleys are coming. And all the you know what matters most is that you're choosing someone who's going to stay with you the whole time, uh, because you know you're going to change, she's going to change, and life's going to throw things at you that you never could have imagined or could have prepared for. Like I, my my here's like a very personal story. My grandmother on my mom's side and my grandfather were salt of the earth Irish immigrants, and. You know, my grandfather worked, who's the only relative I know really, really well. After World War II, and he was in the Pacific Theater, he worked three jobs, you know, just just killed himself for his family, put them all through Catholic school, all that stuff. And uh, 
At one point, he was older in his life, and he had a little bit of stability. My mom was the oldest, and she was, like, 17. And he starts – he's working in this company, and it was a whole bunch of different guys. And they just brought something out of him that had been dormant. And one day, a woman who was from the work site where he worked, super flirty with him. And she showed up at the house to try to steal him. From my grandmother. And my mom, as the story, as it was related to me, was on the staircase. I mean, she sees my her mother crying. My grandfather trying to explain himself. Like, ah, ah, ah. And there's a woman that's at the foot of the stairs. She's like, you're more, you're happier with us and blah, blah, blah. And my mom goes, <laughs> I love this story. This is the full Philly of my mom coming out. She goes, you bitch. And the woman didn't see my mom there. Oh, and she jumps off the staircase onto the woman's head and smacks her into the ground and drags her oh. by her hair out of the house. And as the story goes, now my father, my grandfather didn't have an affair or anything like that. But as the story goes, he was like super conflicted. And my grandmother, my mom said to me that my grandmother said to him, I don't know what happened. His whole life, he was an introvert. We're just introverts. You know, and these are people with, like, 7th and 8th grade educations and all that stuff. They were born in the, what, teens, 20s. My parents are super old. So, (laughs) uh, like, to hear the, like, there are shifts that can happen. And in my own parents' life, like, I think my mom is almost resentful of the fact that she really is, especially since her, like, maybe 30s, she's really an extrovert. And my dad is really and has become more so an introvert. And I remember thinking, uh, I was talking with this couple, and I was like, you can't blame your spouse for being one way or the other. Like, I married an introvert. Okay, they're introverted. They're not going to like going to parties. They will because they love me. But there was this whole dynamic that, like, like my grandfather really did after he hit, like, four. I think it was around 45 years old. He became an extrovert because he was around men who were extroverts and always going out and always doing stuff. And not shady stuff, but... It changed him, and it's like, how do we? There, there is this like living dynamism of a relationship that uh, that I don't think people fully appreciate. I really don't, and it's one of those mysteries of marriage that's like, uh, yeah, I said for better for worse because their personality might change, and I might be accustomed to one way, and now it's another, and I don't know how to deal. Yeah, and I I think that's so tough because I think. Like I remember, yeah, going into marriage thinking, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what kids will be like, but I know her and I know how to love her and I know what she likes and that's changed, you know, and and what she wants has changed and what she needs has changed. And I think, yeah, the challenge is always how how can I adapt and how can I love her today even though I'm tired, (laughs) you know, even though I'm still moody and I'm still wondering when are we going to go to my church softball games, Mm -hmm. damn it. (laughs) <laughs> well, and, and you know, and like the, the, that's the thing that I start to th- when I uh, think about like, middle age. It, there are certain things that are very ingrained in me, like you know how I just said, like I can change. Like there are things that, like how you change, but th- there are that's I still think that that's true. But th- there are you know other things that are very, very, very much a part of who I am, and I and it's not that they it's not that it can't um change i could it's just it's so easy just to coast now it's it's you know really easier than it's ever been and uh i think it's important just to keep that in mind that um like that 
like people are dynamic and you know i can remember when i was in college i i and and i mean really throughout all of high school and it wasn't probably till about like my junior year of college or so that i realized not everyone was an extrovert yeah i just thought everyone was like me and they wanted to go out all the time and i and if they didn't it meant some if they didn't want to go out with me or like hang out or do stuff it meant that they didn't like me or us and it turns out and they were was... just exhausted by you. Not that they didn't like you. <laughs> oh, my God. Again, tonight, it's 4.30, Luke. It's 4.30 in the morning, Luke. How can we keep going? <laughs> Luke, why are you on a rooftop right now? This makes no sense. <laughs> Put your shirt on. You're in an elevator. Put your shirt on. Uh, keep my shoes where they are. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just, you know, I really want to, um, like... And this is true. I, I honestly think, like, even if you um, uh, aren't married, that it's just like, um, I don't, I don't want to co. I like I trying to find that um that like right balance between I can coast with this, but with, with this, I don't really want to do that because I, I I don't know how to. I'm not really good at doing that yet. Hey, I got a really good question that uh, people are asking. Did you already? Do, you didn't do Moira Fleming's question when your kids get old and start thinking. No. Okay. No. Nope. I nope. okay. Nope. So Moira is one of the greatest human beings who has ever lived. When your kids get old enough to start thinking about career options, are you going to encourage them to follow their dreams, or will you be more pragmatic and suggest they do something with strong prospects? Oh gosh, I am so I love my mom. A lot, and <laughs> I love my dad a lot. I was not really pushed at all to do any. It was it was really more just like do whatever you want. There would be jokes about don't go into education. There really isn't any money there, or working out for the church because that is what my grandfather did. Two things that I have done, <laughs> and they were very very right. Um, I think I will be probably more pragmatic, but I also don't. Um, I I really liked when I would talk with people about like what about what I wanted to do and when I would talk with older people and they would say, Okay, you've got time. Like you've got a couple years right now to do stuff. And around this age is when you kinda have has to stop. And it typically is around twenty seven or so. That that's that seems that seemed to be the kind of the point in time where like you've had enough time to kind of do your thing. And it's not that you have to get a real job if, if you're doing other stuff, but you can't constantly be trying to reinvent yourself or like chase your dream at the expense of your family or others or the vocation that God is calling you to. Like it, it seems to and I and I have kind of seen like this, this is actually one reason why I think a lot of rock stars die at the age of twenty seven, is because that seems to be about the time when you start having to reap what you sow. Yeah. Wow. It's that's intense. I, I think I, I was very blessed. To, I think my dad uh, was pushed by his parents to, to, you know, pursue a certain career. And, and I think part of his rebellion against that was to, to not be that way with me and to not be that way with uh, my siblings. And so I was very encouraged Brian, to kind of do whatever. Brian, Brian, I'm not going to tell you uh, what I career to do, but I will tell you <laughs> if you're not a charismatic, you're out of the family. Oh, seriously. You tripped and fell when you were riding on your roller skates, and I prayed over you rather than take you to the hospital. There was blood everywhere. It doesn't matter. You're healed. 
if the phi is not fallen, you're not in the will. Uh, <laughs> but I, that's so funny. But oh, yeah, man. like I, so I was really encouraged. But I, I don't know. I think it, it's if if kids are encouraged to follow their dreams, they've also got to be witnessing and being encouraged to work hard. You know, I think that. Yeah, I, I think that. I, I don't want to stifle their their dreams and their wild hopes, but as long as they know that hard work has got to be a part of whatever they do, and to be open to ad- admitting when a door closes or, or when something doesn't work out. I mm-hmm. remember right after graduating from Franciscan in the sea of affirmation that it was, uh, <laughs> thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna go into Christian music, and and so I recorded an album, and then no one wanted to hear so it. Terrible. It, so, it was so terrible. So I mean, it was yeah, it's 15 year anniversary. You can't get away. You can find it for free in Russia. Um, <laughs> but just yeah, I mean, just like our elections go on. <laughs> well played. But I think for me, it was like good to kind of try this out. I think I was like really grateful that when I married at 29, uh, that I didn't have any like unchaste dreams, um, that, that mm-hmm. I kind of knew what, what was working and, and what doors had been closed. And so I, I mm. felt like, yeah, I was fully, fully choosing marriage and, and, and whatever God had in store with, with all of my kind of settled ideas of what I was going to try for before. And now seeing like, okay, well, well, these jobs actually can pay the bills. And so I'm going to do that. And I was able to be a youth minister for a while. And that was really Terrible. a great opportunity. But even seeing that my own dreams and my own aspirations had to take a backseat to what my family needed and, uh, and what, what worked for us. I, um, yeah, cause the, I, I think about this question a lot with my kids because well, number one, none of them are going to follow in their father's footsteps. Hey kids, you want to work for the church? And feel depressed and angry all the time. Hell yeah! Uh, but but it's funny because um, I the way Moira wrote the question, she said talking about follow their dreams. Um, for a lot of people, follow the dreams might mean follow their passions. You know, whatever you're passionate, follow your bliss. I despise that advice. I am on the train that's in the exact opposite direction. It's like. Be useful to society. You don't have to do what your dad is doing. But for the love of God, be useful to society in terms of, like, don't follow your passion as if the whole world is waiting for you to light some magical spark that only you can bring. When it comes to your career and your, like, you have skills that you might need to develop that, you know, you know, your personality, your temperament, your love the things that like maybe you had good teachers and mentors along the way that got you interested in math and your old man's more philosophy like by the way my kids all call me old man it's fine i like that uh but uh the, you know what i mean old like man gormley i'm not pointing them in a direction what the only direction i'm trying and i'm you know i, I say this knowing that i i'm talking more than i'm actually doing but like I'm trying to point them in the idea of like, here's what hard work looks like. Here's what it means to struggle with something that you're not comfortable with, and you have to keep struggling until the thing is solved. Like you're you're not allowed just to complain and walk away from this problem in front of you. I don't care what they do as long as it's meaningful and good and an honest living. 
And with my kids, like, I start to see, I mean, all four of my children, I'm Brian, I'm sure. How many kids do you have, Brian? Four. Yeah, same here. They're all so different. The, no two are the same. They're Like, I could group the second and the fourth and the first and the third. But, like, they're so radically different that yeah. I cannot imagine any one of them doing one career. Like, I, I can't even figure what their future will be but what i know is like i need to give you the skills right now as as far as i'm able as a parent i need you to embrace difficult things and know like the biggest thing i the biggest lesson is know that when i start a thing i will be the worst if i stay at this thing i will get better at a certain point i might be better than anyone else and if I double down on that, I might make my living off of that. Like, or I might make friends through that. Like, my daughter Katiri is naturally graceful. So when she's doing gymnastics, she doesn't have to worry about the the little flourishes that they do when they stick a landing or whatever. She always has it because she's very graceful. My daughter Cecilia is not graceful in that regard. But she has a dogged determination to accomplish the the flip, the back handspring, the whatever it is. She will do the thing. And that's what I want to reward. Not like, hey, here, like you're good at this naturally, therefore pat you on the head. But like you did the difficult thing and you nailed it, you know, triple pat on the head. That That's kind of – that's where I see it. I, I don't know what my kids are going to be, but – for the love of Christ, I hope they don't work for the church. Yeah, I, I think it was Brene, Brene Brown somewhere. Someone was pointing me to this, but she had talked about as a parent, the best thing you can do for your kids is teach them resilience. And I think that's yeah. so, so Great. true. And Gomer, I think a lot of what you were speaking to that, like, whatever yeah. you're going to do, you're going to have to be willing to get over setbacks and get over failures. And, and how do you yeah. pivot from that? And how do you move on from that? Seems to be one of the most important things. I remember being like 22 or, or something. Like I don't, I don't remember how, how old I was being in our project house. And, and this was towards the end of school. And it just hit me how much of a challenge adulthood was going to be. And it's not that I didn't set myself up right or anything. I'm like that though. I did not. Uh, it was more uh, just this, like, what am I going to do? Like, like it, it just, I had never really, I just, I don't know. It just it, it all you know kind of hit me, and I and I and I remember being up and just staring at the ceiling and just like staring at my window and kind of be like what and I, like like almost like panicking like what am I going to do and just having this thought of okay whatever I do I want to be I just want to go all in and I that's the thing that I really hope I can convey to Everly and you know any other kids that um, we have, like really like be prudent in your choices. And, but whatever you do, you have to go big. You have to, you have to be all. And um, when I first moved to Eureka, you know, it, it was just tough because there was a lot of things going on with the economy and my life. That was just, I was like, this is so unbelievably difficult. And um, I remember trying, trying, 
to navigate that. And I had all these ideas for different like side jobs or something. I was trying to like anything I could to try to just get ahead and hopefully get out of there as I'm a, as I'm a fast as I could. And I remember praying about it and just, I really felt God tell me just like, you need to focus where, where, where you are and put all this effort that you're doing for all this other stuff. Cause I even, I was trying to create some podcasts while I was there and all this. And this is way back in like 2008, I think. And I just remember going, okay, I need to kind of cut back and all like on this other stuff that I'm trying to put all these side things I'm trying to put my energy into. And let's just really um, focus on being a really good like teacher and and RA right now, even though this is the not what I want to be doing, but this is where I am. And like from that came so many good things. And it's so funny because like even now, like I look back on my time in Eureka, I wanted nothing more than to get out as fast as as fast as I like possibly could. And to be honest, like as like as much as I love my time out and out in Texas, where I was there for a bit, uh, as much as I love being, I don't know, actually I really loved being out um, in DC. I I mean, being in Eureka was one of the most important things that I have ever done. It gave me like. Like I mean, a couple of the like I have like a whole other family because of that. That to me was just as important as all of the relationships that I had in you know AMBG in college. And I'm like I'm so thankful that I that like I did that and that I went all in. That I like kind of had to like that I had to make that choice because it really did. Um, like I have used. Stuff from every job I've ever had, from when I was in the Virgin Islands to when I, I had my internship at Porch Rocking to just, I mean, there, there are things that I have um, picked up at each one that have helped me become, you know, the um, person that I am who's about to start grad school at Notre Dame. All right, uh, here's here's one. Um, how are you okay with like the choice? How, how to be okay with the choices that you have made, even the ones that are bad? Yeah, I, I mean, for me, it comes down to like I, I just have to believe that God's ability to redeem is greater than my ability to screw things up. Um. Now, that doesn't mean I could just do whatever the hell I want and things are going to be fine. But I look back and like you said, those experiences that were not your ideal or things that were you wish were totally different, you see how much good came out of it. I think that we can always find things to second guess, either that we screwed up or that we were screwed over in. And, uh, and I think, you know, kind of believing that like whatever, whether it was his plan A or plan B, but I'm in God's will right now. You know, whatever he's permitted to happen, this is reality. And this is the only place I can find grace is reality. Um, that, that I'm not going to find grace in fantasizing about what life should be like or regretting what should have been different. But, but reality is the only, the only life I have. And, and, and he's got grace for me and he's got redemption for me here. That is such a good point. I, I kind of feel like Brian, when I look back on our, like on, um, our 20s i feel like it like anytime we would catch up on the phone it would i'm gonna usually be because like one of us was going through some type of like breakup or like a rocky start to some type of some type of relationship that clearly was not going to work out yeah 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 (laughs) and um you had brought up this one point and i i have i have never forgotten this when you said um like you had to you had uh 
it's like breakups hurt because they're not natural. Like we're not meant to have our relationships cut and like ended and to be torn apart from, you know, other like other people. So there really isn't anything else we can do but just kind of embrace it and face that fact. That like sometimes it just doesn't work out and that sucks. Yeah. And I'm learning to be okay with that can be really, you know, cause like it, it can be tough because you, you can just go, well, that was a waste of like five years or that was a waste of two years or that was, you know, but it like, I don't think it ever really is because ultimately it helps you become the person that, that you are. Uh, so I don't know this. In, so yeah, I, I, uh, just last week I had two conversations with some locals here in town, Austrians, and they were bringing, they had brought up uh, COVID and they first, but in both situations, the person said, this is crazy. Um, how many things are shut down? How crazy it is that, that, that businesses are shut down, that stores are shut down. The economy was in, you know, this temporary lockdown. And then they paused and I was waiting for them to say, you know, this is all stupid. It's all a hoax, whatever. And then they paused and then they said, but also this is crazy and this is difficult because people we know are really suffering. So it was just wild to me that I feel like normally my attitude, whether it's a pandemic, politics, the papacy, whatever, is this thing is crazy. Let me find some simple solution to prove that it can all be worked out. It can all be cleared up. It can all be uncorrupted in five minutes. But but in both those conversations, the people kind of acknowledge that this is just tough, period, and end of statement. Um, and, and I think like I, I, I need to remember that, that, yeah, that, that some things are just hard and there's not going to be a hack or an easy fix, um, but just to kind of be okay with that and, and, and move on from there and, and don't abandon the pursuit of truth or whatever, but, but it's just going to be hard. And, and there's, as, as Rocky learned through song, there's no easy way out. There's no easy way out. <laughs> there's no short cut home. But you can run on a beach and jump in each other's arms. I remember thinking that treadmills were evil because that's what Drago trained on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just yes. thought like, well, I, I see that treadmill, but I don't want to take steroids. So I watched that recently. Surprisingly short. Short? It's like an hour and a half. It's like 90 yeah, minutes. I mean, if if that. <laughs> it's a very, very short, uh, short movie. How would you um, – so two things. So we actually had a really um, good question on um, on our Patreon page about uh, like how do you navigate – like we've, we've tend to talk through all of this through the lens of being, of being married because that's what we are. But like what about uh, for people who, um, who are single? Is there anything from like you know uh, just your own experience being like single or through just people that you know? Just any um, any um, um, words of encouragement on like how like how to navigate, you know, um, especially once you're kind of in your thirties as like as a single person, how to navigate that? Gomer, Gomer, what are your thoughts? I don't, I don't know. That's why you're here. Brian, oh, you yeah. are literally the holiest person <laughs> I know. I'm if so, you I'm fail this so question, rapidly. everything fails. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think to just, I mean, Luke, just like you were talking about your time in Eureka, that like it all counts and it all matters and God's using all of it and it's all just as legitimate as 
our experiences, our joys, our struggles as married people, like that your time as a single person, whether it's your whole life or not, it all counts and it's all just as valid and the grace that God has for you and the opportunities are just as real. And so I think like, you know, as a single person to pursue generosity, to give yourself away that like just speaking for myself, I found that when I was single, um, my life was fulfilling to the extent that I was giving myself away, you know, and I was fortunate to be working in youth ministry, um, when I was single. So I I felt like it was, for me, it was really helpful to have a job where I was having to be generous and having to serve. Um, but I think what, whatever your, your job is or whatever your career is, uh, to, to, to serve and, and to lay your life down wherever you are uh, and that God, you know, for sure will bring joy and bring fulfillment there. Yeah, I um, I remember this would have been, this was like right before my dad died, like, like maybe like two weeks or so. And uh, I was at a wedding. It was a Steubenville wedding. And I was just so obsessed with everything going on in my life and just how hard it all was. Were you still in California at the time? No, I was about to move to California. Oh, okay. I think I may, I think I had, I think I had either was interviewing for it or I had just accepted the job. To go to Eureka. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. But like, I don't know if you remember this, Gilmer, but I had like three jobs that one, like, to the interview unprocessed stuff because I was actually interviewing for a job to teach out in out in like um DC. They stopped they stopped the interview like uh, by the time of, like the third interview I think because they uh, weren't going to hire for that unposition. Like, this is this is when like the the um economy was really starting to like just like bring everything to like a like a real um crazy halt. But we didn't I didn't really know that that's what was going on and and I was just in not I was in a not so great um relationship. At the time, and just feeling like, like, oh my gosh, everything is so hard. And I ended up having a really good chat with a with a household with a household of my brother of ours who was also at this wedding, and um, he and he was married, and it was just good for and to hear like, and I kind of like uh, I just told him like w- w- all, like what was on what was on my heart, and he's and he just kind of shared stuff that was going on in his life and it was like really hard as well. And we both have this profound like realization where we, uh, and we even said like, man, I, you, you kind of think that like everyone, he thought people who, you know, weren't married kind of had it easy. And I was like, people who, who, are, who are, are like married, like they have it easy cause they have their, um, like they're at least on the path towards like where we should all be. Right. And it's just, and it really helped us both kind of realize in that moment that like, it's kind of hard for everyone. And this is a really hard time right right now. You know, it's just tough. It's just and it doesn't ever really get easier. There's always new challenges. It becomes your kids, you know, and all of like and all of the pros and cons of that and um you know, our parents getting on getting on the second dying or just getting old or having all, all those like it just like there's always a mountain to climb. And but the important part is that is that we climb it and understanding that like everyone else has that mountain as well. And, um, and like when my dad died, I just remember having this profound experience of, um, this is so weird. I've, I've never quite experienced peace or hope like I did there, 
just this thing of like God is always involved and it's going and like God can restore things to the way that they should be. And it would sound really odd to experience that after you have a parent's death. But I kind of realized that that's, I think what peace is. It's where it's what you, when you were, I'm talking about earlier, Brian, about um, being able to um, see reality for how it actually is. And when you are, when you are single, there's this thing where you, we feel so much at times like, oh, we have to get married or, or, you know, and I, and that's, I think it's good to like, try to, you know, um, like find your vocation, but I, I also think it's really good to date. Like I am totally okay. I totally okay. I mean, it, it doesn't, it's, it's not really up to me, but I, I would encourage anyone, regardless of where you are in life to, if you are single to date, it's great. Um, but, uh, like we're understand and this thing that like I need to wrap my head around like we're all gonna die alone. You know, like like there's like there isn't any one of us who are gonna I mean as far as I understand how death works, I could be wrong. How when like that like <laughs> the, 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 the like moment of like when we die, it's not like we're I'm surrounded by other dead like like it's us like it's it's kind of just you know it's us and God you know like it's, actually I, don't think I, it's just, I hope that when I die they they put a lot of other dead people near me so I can feel like I have friends <laughs> you know hey like, guys like, it's so cool that you're here with me you're so cold though come on guys show holy a, shit why am I with Jared show of hands who's doing well today anyone anyone. <laughs> Did I tell you, I, I was on, on campus, like, gosh, I was driving out to Philadelphia, so I drove through Pittsburgh, because I wanted to, uh, like, see Kervaniak, and just, like, um, and to um, drive through Steubenville. So I pulled I pulled up on campus, and I saw some guy who, like, it, I was like, you just, like, he just reminded me of me. He, like, had, a, like, a, like, a weird beard. His hair was all, like, screwed up. He was wearing pajama pants and a hoodie with, with, with flip-flops. Oh, yeah, that's you. And he had an air of um, confidence that he should not have. <laughs> and I just wanted to go up and punch him and be like, be a normal person. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this is weird. <laughs> you look terrible. <laughs> You don't look like someone who who thinks that there's a God or that life matters. You more than anyone else has got me to realize, like, this notion of, like, oh, you wear your sweatpants or pajama pants to class and your flip-flops even though it's snow on the ground because you're actually punishing you because you don't give a shit about you. Like, you you are walking through life as if... God did not die for you and rise for you. You were walking through life as if, yeah, that's cool for the other people. And I'm here because I believe it, but not really for me, as if I have any dignity or worth. Like, you taught me that more than anything. And honestly, it was uh, – you were in California. I think it was right before you went to Utah when you gave me – Idaho. Or I, Idaho. I thinking Utah because my wife desperately wants to move there. Um but it was the book No More Mr. Nice Guy where it's like – I think the second chapter in there is like the reason why you're doing this is is essentially because you don't think you're worth it. And one of the questions – like he, he goes through a list of things. Do you exercise? Do you wear clean clothing? You brush your teeth regularly. If you don't <laughs> yeah, do – yeah. Right. But do you remember that? Like I was like, ooh, who did yeah, – So the, 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 the idea is – you're the only one who can take care of your of your needs, and like just kind of a, and I mean, there's 
um, I think there's like a spiritual part to that that Gorla can get a little bit disordered because it then becomes like I don't need God. It's it's not like oh I'm putting other people first. Mm-hmm. It's like I literally hate myself, yeah. and so I'm not doing the basic things that St. Paul in first in uh, uh, Ephesians five. What man doesn't nourish his own flesh and cherish it? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's what that's clearly what I'm doing. And Luke, the guy who I thought was you know like the man running in flannel pajamas. <laughs> At least I was running. Yeah, that's true. But you like honestly, you were the one that got me to wake up to the fact that like there was this element of self abuse <laughs> that was not masturbation. <laughs> there was this element of self abuse that was like literally I'm I'm tearing away at myself and I've never confessed mm-hmm. that. And I began Well and I mean and part of that is just being in college, right? It's just, you know, like you just you're kind of horribly selfish. You know, and, and that's not necessarily a I mean it's bad to be selfish. I don't know, Brian. You're the guy who like has to deal with um, college kids. I actually would be, would be curious to get um, your take on this. Like, you're trying to establish who you are, and it's. it's I always think like college in your early 20s are like the new um junior high school because it's just like who am I? Ugh, hormones. Um, and and so I would. I don't really like hold a college kid to that high of a um, standard, though I probably should. But I think it's kind of when. Really, like this is why I wanted to talk about this stuff. Also, like just in light of approaching of approaching of approaching middle age, just just like this is the point where it does get kind of sad, and where it does actually really hurt other people in your life that you that you that the that you love and care about. This is the point in time where like your sins, your like your um, your shortcomings start to really hurt others. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think I think you're right. And I, I just, I, like, I remember, yeah, in college and being in Austria, particularly taking a class on Christian marriage, and just all of us sitting around thinking, like, oh, we can't wait to get married. I can't wait to, you know, serve someone, to love someone. The problem is, is that the way that humans want to be loved is usually in a different way and at a different time and a different schedule than I would want to love them. <laughs> you know kids that wake up in the middle of the night when I don't want to deal with them or, you know, people that need help when I'm not ready to help them. But I have all these ideas of how I'd love to help someone or serve someone or my gift that I want to give to the world at my convenience. And and yet love's demands are always seeming to be inconvenient and at the wrong time and not in the way that I feel ready uh, or, or wanting to be generous. So yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's tough, you know, it's, it's tough to actually love people and to actually do, do good for others in the way that they need it. And I think like, yeah, going back to college and yeah, I think, I think Gomer, you bring up a really good point. I think that, I think college students in general suck at moderation, you know, whether it's binge drinking or just, you know, you won't meet any political moderates in college. They're all extreme one way or the other. And, um, but I think that like when it comes to basic things like are you eating a healthy diet, are you sleeping well, like that stuff matters because our, our bodies and our souls both matter. And, and uh, yeah, I, I meet students from time to time who are really focused on their spiritual life, but their physical appearance or just their physical habits are a mess, you know, and that it, it does matter. And sooner or later, they'll feel the effects. And so how can we encourage people to care about both without getting into some sort of wishy-washy? Um, yeah. 
way of life. Do you find yourself ever uh, uh, missing um, the freedom that you had of being on your own? Uh, there are moments when I miss my freedom. There are moments for sure when I miss personal space. Uh, I'll never forget. Yeah. When we our daughter, our oldest Ellie, she's now seven. Uh, when she was like just over a year, I just thought, Oh my gosh, my whole day is consumed by this kid and there's no time for myself. And I came home from work one day and sat on the toilet. I don't even know if I was using the bathroom, but I just knew this was my safe space. And she walked in. <laughs> And climbed on my lap and I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? This is all I had left in life. That's like my only remaining fortress of solitude was was ripped away from me. So there are certainly moments where I think, man, I could use some time by myself. Uh, but with that said, overall, I feel more free to be myself than I've ever been. And and I'm like Omer was saying earlier, I, like I'm constantly shocked that my wife freely chooses to keep loving me even though she's seen me at my worst she's seen me at my uh dirty flannel running pajamas um yeah and so that i mean for for me that's been a great freedom to to find that even someone that's seen all of me still loves me wow i guess i guess i don't have to hide or or project myself or try to impress her because it's too late for that and and that's been a far greater freedom than all the personal space mm -hmm. I had for years and years. Yeah, it's it's a pretty powerful experience when like I had I had this last last night we um uh had some friends over and we were uh talking about our like worst fight that we ever um, had as a couple, you know, that we kind of um and I and I started to think about that and I was like, holy crap, Luke, you were a real selfish douche back there. <laughs> And after they left, I mean, when, like when we, that, like in the story, we were all like, uh, we were all, I'm laughing about, but I was, I'm thinking like just how I felt so bad about how I had acted in in the past. And after and after our other friends left, I just you know told Aaron, I was like, hey, I'm really sorry. Like I can see in hindsight now how I can be really difficult at at, at times, and that's not fair to you at all. And I just want you to know that I really want to be better and Aaron was just like oh you're fine I totally I like I, I forgave you a long time ago like and just kind of being able to have that instant forgiveness um is really cool and to be able to experience a thing I'm like that where you're just totally unvulnerable with 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 another person and you know that they have your best interest. And it's, it's, it's good too, because I think having, um, and this is, this actually goes to a couple other um, questions that we've had on here. Like, I think having been in such a great community in college and then also in like, in like, in my, in my twenties, um, um, it really did prepare me for the kind of family that I want to have and to know the things that I want to be able to do and the things that I think are important things like forgiveness things like be able to say I'm sorry that I that you know I did this being encouraged to really um take it to do some type some um, type of examine on yourself and your day and be like oh I really failed here I need to do better um next time I need to repent here I need to seek amends for this like it really I've often heard it described as like a spiritual boot camp and that really is i think that's it's important to try to find a way that you can have that in life because i i found that to like over and over again 
there are things that um I learned in college and in my and in and in and in my and in my twenties, uh, stuff that I learned being just in community with others that I'd be able to apply to my own life that is just really invaluable now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that. I mean, yeah, Luke. For me, yeah, it was a big deal that you met Courtney at uh, I think it was Kuzma's wedding. Um, because you knew me, you know what I mean? Like, and, and mm-hmm. I think in any, mm-hmm. yeah, Courtney and I talk about this, not you, but the idea that in any new relationship or new fling, both people are probably going to be really obsessed with the other person or infatuated with the other person. And it really takes, I think an outsider or a friend to say, well, I, I know you and this, this is a good idea. <laughs> this person is a good idea for you. Um, because yeah. any relationship, no matter how crazy the person is, no matter how toxic the relationship is, at least at the beginning, it, it feels great to kiss someone, you know? So like we're, we're so blinded. So for me, it was a huge help to have people that knew me well, had seen me at mm-hmm. my crazy points to say, yeah, Brian, I know you and this person is good for you or this situation is good for you. Even outside of relationships, I felt very supported that when I fell, there were people to call me on the people that, you know, would, would call me out. I think another thing like Luke, you were talking about in marriage, that's really humbling is when I do f- screw up. And when I am a jerk to my wife, it's humbling to realize that this, I, I think I'm just apologizing for this one off thing that, that I never do. It was kind of out of the blue and she, and you know, but yet our spouse is like, they've already known that's part of the deal. <laughs> you know, they've already known that's part of who we are. <laughs> And they've already been having to forgive us and having to love us. And I think that my vices or my sins are just these one-off events that have no connection to the rest of my life. And they're like, yeah, I know you do that a lot, uh, but I still love you. And yeah. Yeah. That was a fun night, man. That was good times. Of DC. Yeah, you guys times. are my friend. You can smoke in my car, whatever. <laughs> I know. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about because I wasn't there. We, uh, can we tell the story, Brian? Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. Cause, okay. So me and Brian have this thing where like, uh, I mean, I'm sure like everyone kind of like has a friend where you're able to do this. Me and Gomer, we, we do this as well. We're like, you're doing a thing that you think is like, um, really funny. And it's kind of at the expense of another person. But so you kind of like stare at each other and go, isn't this so funny that we're doing this right, right now? <laughs> <laughs> so we were, so we drive into DC to go and meet Brian's girlfriend. And we had our friend Joe wife. Zags with now us. Now my wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His um, now wife, and Zags drives us in, into DC, and so we go. We hang out. I think we like went out to a bar or something. I don't know why, but I want to say I remember. I'm walking around for it, but I don't. I uh, but um. Yep. And there was that one girl who like kind of liked Joe, and we're like, Joe, she's really pretty, and he's like, meh. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, and uh, so then we left, and uh, Joe was driving us back. And me and Brian had bought a pack of cigarettes, and I think Brian just goes, Joe, can we smoke in the back of your car? And he's like, yeah, sure. And so we were just smoking in the back of his car, which in hindsight is like sounds kind of normal. But at the time, it was very rebellious to do a thing like like that. It was very rebellious. We were so wild. That's, that's fair. Hey, um, Brian. This has been fun. Anything that um, you want to plug? This is what I'm so used to saying. I just kind of um, said it. 
Yeah, if you want to find Any, me, if you want to learn more about me online, you can email my parents, Ohio Kissingers at att.net. <laughs> also, I have a new. Brian, who the hell is this? Also, I have a new uh, website. It's called Go Fund Yourself. And if a friend <laughs> is requesting money and you don't feel comfortable supporting them, you can just send them a link to Go Fund Yourself. And uh, that's it. Oh, that makes my heart happy. You know, of there were two people, two people that I spent Thanksgiving with. One was Luke Gregory Carey. The other one was the Kissingers. So I want to thank you, Brian, for when I was in college and my parents refused to buy me a ticket home, you <laughs> took me in into the bosom of your family, and I got to learn all about the Catholic Charismatic Renewal and business because that's what your father taught. Uh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. You changed God my life. God and Mammon. God and Mammon. You can have them both. Turns out, turns out in the charismatic renewal, you can have them both. <laughs> you sure, sure can. Oh, oh, God is here. In Trump's America, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many comments I want to say because you just said that, but I'm not. I'm going to repress <laughs> them for the sake of the show. Brian, what are you doing right now in Austria? Yeah, so we are, sadly, we just found out we're not going to have students uh, coming for this spring semester. So we'll be doing a lot of repairs in the dorms and, and getting ready. Uh, you personally will in, be doing repairs? Yeah, don't worry. I'm not in charge, so everything's going to be fine. But, <laughs> yeah, I'll just be helping helping out, getting ready. We'll hopefully have a big group coming this summer and then another class in the fall. So, yep, taking care of the kids and focusing on family, but also getting ready for, for more students. It really is. Yeah. Such a great place to be such a great place to live even during a pandemic. Yeah. Cool. Hey, Brian, man, I really appreciate you getting two hours of sleep, then watching a football game and then just staying up and recording with us. No, it, really, you got really, I mean, seriously, the, you guys are doing a great job and, and, uh, I mean, cut this next part, but, but I thought, especially with the clerically speaking guys, I'm sure you, you know, like some people were offended, but I think it's, it was a good beginning of a conversation that needs to happen in the church. I have gotten probably three times the amount of feedback of every episode combined. Personally. Yeah. We got a crap ton of downloads too. Yeah. I think there were some people who thought it was awkward, but like the majority of people that, that heard, it seemed like very either not that I, I, I just, um, I'm still not. I'm not surprised that, that they took it that way because I definitely understand where they are coming from. But I'm I'm just really happy that that's not what a lot of people thought. Yeah, yeah, and 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 yeah. I'm I'm a faithful listener, so keep up the great work. Have you read Canticle for Leibowitz yet? I, here's the thing, guys. I just read it before you did the review, and I'm so glad you. I'm so, I'm so glad you talked about it because I finished it and I was like, uh eh. But then after you talked about it, I was like, that was really? a great book. So, yeah, I think I want to go back to it now. Were you, were you meh about it because of the caricature of Catholicism? No, I think I, I, think I am more used to very, like, on-the-nose stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so, it was, so it's my, my own, like, short-sightedness. Yeah. But then as you talked about it, I'm like, yeah, I, I totally see that. I also listened to it 
as an audio book, but I listened to it so broken up that when there were like those gaps in time, I was like, did I just miss something? And so yeah. I'm so glad that you well, guys rounded it out for me. I just read uh, the, in, the End of the Affair by Graham Greene. Yeah. What did you it's, think of that? It was pretty freaking, heard of that. pretty freaking good. Yeah. It's good? Yeah, I think so. I have to, I'm going to start a thing where um, every like every weekend I'm going to try to read for like prob- I'm going to start off by reading like a half hour and then go try to ch- basically try like double it um, up to three hours. So I'm, I'm used to having to read that much for that long. Wow. Uh, building um, building up to the summer. I mean, I say that now. We'll see what happens. But uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to start with like books that are oh, fun and then get like to harder stuff. So I'll, I might add that to the list what's it called it's called the end of the affair i think i got a good 15 minutes of content out of this so good <laughs> <I know. laughs> 